Welcome to Wood Talk Online Radio, for woodworkers, by woodworkers. Now, here are the three guys who actually are under the illusion that woodworking is cool. Mark, Matt, and Shannon. Alright, it's episode 81 for April 6th, 2011. We've got a we've got a lot of stuff packed into today's show. We're going to be discussing bad April Fool's jokes, what saws a beginning woodworker really needs, how to tune up an old hand plane, uh, how about the future of woodworking, there's a nice small topic for us, uh, as well as a buttload of content from the magazines, blogs, and forums. And before we get to all that, Matt, how about you tell them how they can get in touch with us? Absolutely. As always, you know, folks, there are few different ways you can get a hold of us if you ever have a comment say a question or a suggestion about something you've either heard in today's show or maybe something you'd like to hear on an upcoming episode you can email us at woodtalkonline at gmail.com or you can leave us a voicemail at our new and improved phone number i'm sure most of you don't remember the old one because i barely remember it in fact i'm not even sure if this is even close to the old one <laughs> but let's roll with it anyways so the the number you can leave us that voicemail at is 623-242-5180 or you can even Skype us on our very own Wood Talk Online uh, Skype number, which, of course, just go to Skype and punch in Wood Talk Online, and you can find it there and leave us a message that way if you are Skype-inclined. And, of course, you can also find uh, three of us on Twitter as at RenaissanceWW for Shannon, at Wood Whisperer for Mark, and, of course, at MBW Podcast for Matt. Don't forget to look us up on Facebook also, and especially, you know what, you should head on over to the forum at woodtalkonline.com. It's totally free, and you can find one or all of us over there, or if we're not around, there are so many people that are searching for us because one of us probably owes them money, and they're looking for the other two. <laughs> Where's my money, man? That's right. So, But one way or the other, you can find us over there. So that's all the ways. And, of course, we'll mention all these things at the end of the show and have them in the show notes so that you can find them there in case you weren't paying attention to anything I was talking about because I know some of you drone out while I talk. But with that done, I say we head on over to the benches. <laughs> my my co-hosts do it too right now. They're not even aware that we're moving on over to the bench area. And I say we start <laughs> out with Shannon. What do you got going on your bench, man? Well, first things first, Mark, I didn't hear the intro music, so I'm sure glad you opened the show because it was silent on my end. Yeah, I got to so figure out why it's doing that. I, I must have changed something around because normally you guys can hear all of the audio, but uh, I'll, I'll work on that. I promise. I, I assumed it was going, so I stayed quiet. You know, good good thinking. Because <laughs> in the show notes, it says, Shannon, only speak when spoken to. So <laughs> I'm, still, I'm still the probational officer. Yeah, no, no extracurricular speaking. And just for the record, there's always the spots in there where it says Matt laugh for no reason at all. <laughs> no, it says no, Matt, Chortle. Matt Chortle. Actually, <laughs> let's let's make this a Chortle-free episode. How about that? Okay. I'll try, no. but I'll just have to turn away a lot. <laughs> no, forget that. Screw that guy. Anyway, let's go. Anyway, what's on the bench? Um, well, I am starting the final project for my hand tool school first semester, so I've got a lot of cherry on my bench. I'm basically dimensioning a bunch of cherry by hand. And it's a lot of fun because I love cherry. And is it really fun? I mean, really? It is really fun. Oh, okay, just making sure. Well, honestly, no, <laughs> it, it is really like, fun. I find because... it fun to do one or two, but then after that, like if I actually have a multitude of boards to do, the fun factor starts to go a little bit and I go, uh, where's my where's my planer? Where's my joiner? <laughs> right. Well, the, the thing is, is I, I don't like do it all at once. I'll, I'll plane the boards for... Like, well, for instance, I start with the, the central carcass of this. I planed the two sideboards 
and I plane one face of the bottom board. Mm -hmm. And then I move on. I move on to joinery and okay. all that stuff. And then when it comes to do another panel, I'll plane it and glue it up and all that. You just kind of do it piece by piece. And it, um, you know, it was certainly for, for interest, but more for catching your breath. Right. And, yeah. Well, it's physical. Certainly physical. Through. Absolutely. I mean, you still get sore after a, a milling session like that, like a Schwarz style milling session where your hair is flying all over the place. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> your glasses are falling off. <laughs> Pretty much. Yes. You know it's bad when your iron starts to like turn a different color and you have to like whoa slow it down dip it in some the water first time start I, back up. Yeah, the first time I saw Schwarz like get crazy on a board, I was like, man, he's really into that. It was like watching like a really big guy eat dinner. Yeah, he's, I would be running up there with my belt to make sure that I wouldn't have to stick it in his mouth to keep him from biting his tongue. <laughs> to be honest. With yeah, he gets into it. Not not to uh, take away from your story. Sorry, Shannon. Well, Matt, you joke about the iron changing color. I did a, a live lesson last week, and I would. You would start to get hard, so I pull out the paraffin wax to uh, lubricate the sole, and it like just melted on the oh, sole. Oh, really? Was that <laughs> was warm? Like, huh? I touched it, and it was like <laughs> it just went to liquid right on the sole. That's like, convenient, hey, right? Might need to <laughs> slow down the planing a little bit here. It's easier That's to start worrying about burns versus actual cuts. To hell with the cuts; right. they don't hurt as much as the burns. Those <laughs> last for days. <laughs> Who says hand planing eliminates burns on the wood? You yeah. can do it. Jeez, no kidding. Nice. In all serious, though, um, no, I, I, I enjoy it because of the fact that I now just buy wide lumber. Um, lumber. I buy Lum wide lumber. <laughs> That's industry term. What is that accent? I'm curious. <laughs> industry term. Lumber. So, you know, I used to buy the stuff that would fit my joiner, and then I, the part that I didn't like was gluing up all those panels and then flattening the panels afterwards. And, mm. you know, you can get an excellent glue joint in a panel, but there's still some work to do. You know, there's always that little bit on the seam, at least the way I glue up panels anyway, you know, remove the glue and then maybe a couple of passes to flush up that, you know, a couple thousand of an inch reveal between those panels. Yeah. And, and now... You know, I need I need 12 inch wide stock for this case, so I went and got 12 inch wide stock, or in some instances it was like 11 inch wide, and um, you know it's 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 very nice because I feel like if I'm taking more time and doing the dimensioning, I'm saving a heck of a lot of time and waiting for panels to glue up and edge joining and clamping and all that fun stuff. Well, then so. you get the nice continuous grain, you know, which just always right. is going to look better. That's right, absolutely for sure. And then the other thing, I've got uh, two um, brand new, to me anyway, um, vintage English toothing planes that I won on eBay. And they just came into my shop, and they're a real pain in the butt. So I'm restoring those, which will play nicely into a voicemail we got, right? Yes, later on. So I just thought I'd bring that up to segue for later. Very cool. So that being said, Matt, back to you. What's on your bench? All right. Well, what I have going on right now is... Um, I, this weekend, hopefully I'll have a chance to really jump into it. Uh, I picked up a client build and this is a returning client. That's always kind of nice. Uh, what's even nicer is at one point, this was one of my bosses, but since the lab's no longer open and they moved me someplace else, uh, I'm not as nervous about it anymore because you know, if I mess it up, it's not my paycheck. So nice. what well, kind of is, I guess it would be a little bit. But anyways, it's a, uh, I don't know if anybody remembers, this was a few years ago, there was a, a large set of bookcases, like it's like an entire wall, and then there was like an entertainment center that went along with it. The, the well, nice that thing wasn't is they, the child safe bookcase, was it? No, 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 that was a completely different one. Okay. 
Um, yeah, though this one, it was not child safe at all. In fact, we had to secure it to the wall because. Um, <laughs> in fact, you, it fell. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was. It was so high that they actually were talking about climbing it. I'm like, why don't you just get a ladder? That might actually be a lot safer. <laughs> um, but so they they wanted another. They have two more walls that they want to do, and so I was more than happy to accommodate accommodate them on this. Um, mainly, it's going to be a plywood build, just because of the fact that uh, it's going to be a lot easier, uh, and especially the the time for that they gave me to try and have this put together. Also, the last one was all plywood. So I put my order in. I'm going to have it delivered to the house because I don't have a truck and uh, six sheets of plywood on top of my tracker. I think I get ticketed for that. (laughs) (laughs) Wasn't there a picture circulating around the internet with with that? It wasn't a tracker. It was just a little car with like, you know, a whole pallet of (laughs) plywood on top and it just crushed under the weight. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it was like they ran to Home Depot or something and just, <laughs> right. yeah, completely down right to the bottom. Oh, that's classic. There's yeah, a YouTube so, video out there, too, of a whole stack of plywood sliding off a car during a turn, oh, like, man. into traffic. And it's, like, so awful that you just have to watch it, like, six times. That, it's just one of those things. I, I mean, that runs through your head, at least for me. Every time I'm transporting lumber, even though I'm doing it properly, you know, in, in the pickup truck and everything's tied down, the thought oh, goes not. through my head where I'm just like, oh, man, could you imagine if something just fell out on the freeway? way how terrible that would be you know what's really sad is we have a picture from when i was growing up and this just goes to show you i didn't have much of a fighting chance with my parents basically we had a chevette when i was growing up you remember chevettes those those little tiny compact cars oh yeah well yeah we when i was about eight or nine we were going camping for the very first time and we brought like every luxury possible. I mean, there was box fans, there were regular oscillating fans, <laughs> there was a refrigerator, two TVs, and this, and then there was the tent, and there was an, another tent where we were gonna eat. So we had the Chevette completely packed to the point where I couldn't even sit in the seat. I had to sit up on top of things, laying down on my stomach. This was also the time before child safety laws, apparently. Um, we had a car top carrier up on top, which was almost the same size as the Chevette. And then somehow my dad figured, hey, you know, that's not enough. Let's pull a trailer also. And oh, we had no. that going. And this thing was so loaded down. I, I've got to find the picture, scan it, and put it in or something. I mean, this is like the epitome of early, yeah, why Vanderlist doesn't do so well, apparently. But <laughs> so Vanderlist anyway. family truckster. It basically was. Man, that's <laughs> so great. That's what I, I kept. I keep seeing that every time I have to go buy sheet goods. So, uh, yeah, so I'm having this delivered. And like I said, I'm hopefully going to get started on it this weekend. Really, when it comes down to it, uh, the dimensions and everything is just a matter of ripping them to the uh, the right side, making some dados and going from there. But, of course, I'm planning on documenting the whole thing. So we should all get a good chuckle out of this for sure. <laughs> uh, the only other thing I have going on on the workbench is... Uh, we can kind of laugh a little bit about this where I was working on that Hawk shoulder plane. It's all done. It's it's completely assembled. I wanted to finally just do a little bit of shaping so that I can get it the right feel for my little girl hands that I have. <laughs> and so I did that. I, I cut it to the right shape. And then I was using some spoke shaves to kind of help just, you know, round over the edges and give it more of a, again, a more comfortable feel in my hands. So I had a little bit of an experience with I have a low angle spoke shave and then I have like one of those kind of a, a, a round bottom spoke shave and then a really, really old traditional spoke shave, which really has no adjustment in it. 
And I suddenly realized how little I know about spoke shaves. So Shannon, I have a request. I think you should move on to that next. Drop everything you're doing. <laughs> and since uh, the, the Shores has deemed that hanging uh, tool cases are something that should be relegated <laughs> to the past, let's just move on to spoke shaves, okay? Let's I really appreciate it. that. Let's, let's take this 104 feet of cherry and just shave it. Just turn it into into shavings. That'll be that, fun. If you would do that, that would be fantastic. I would really appreciate that. And if you could have it done next week, I would love it even more. Hand <laughs> <laughs> tool school special brought to you by Matt's Basement Workshop. <laughs> that's well, right. You know that's my favorite tool, right, Matt? I mean, there's a reason it's like my logo for Renaissance Woodworker. At, yeah, it, I wondered about that. Uh, spoke shaves are they're great. I mean, they're I mean, you can underestimate them easily, but once you have a couple, you know, projects where you got to trim some solid wood and get a nice curve going in it. Oh man, I mean when I when I've used it for the first time it just was like opening up a whole new world of possibilities. They're yeah. they're fantastic. It was the tool that got me started in hand tools. Oh nice. It was all yeah. over from there. So I blame yeah. I blame the spoke shape. There you go. <laughs> I love those Brian Bog ones from Lee Nielsen. Holy cats. Haven't even tried those. I've got the Lee Valley ones. They are so choice. You you see him using those in the videos. He just spins them. Well, you should appreciate it. He spins them like a drummer and drumsticks. Really? Yes, he does. So if you get it, you should do that, Mark. You should definitely do that. You know what the the problem is? I actually was never good at twirling drumsticks either. Oh. I always tried it, but I always like had the gimpy way of doing it and never looked very good. <laughs> I was no Tommy Lee, let's put it that way. Do you ever do the thing like where you're drumming and then the drumstick flies out of your hand, so you point in the opposite direction, like trying to diverge them, and then you pull the next one out and get it going again? No, I would run around frantically looking for my backup stick somewhere, but uh, yeah, I tried I to avoid that. That reminds me, I've got some video footage from Colonial Williamsburg watching the Fife and Drum Corps come down Duke of Gloucester Street, and one of the kids, like, didn't didn't not only did he drop his drumstick it like flew out of his hand into the crowd <laughs> it's like he went to hit the drum and it like hit a weird way and spun out of his hand at high velocity into the crowd i don't think anybody was was hit but it was it was hilarious i think it, it maybe just had like misplaced rock star aspirations and was just throwing it out to the fans <laughs> thank you williams <laughs> yeah, it was his moment you know <laughs> yeah then, then suddenly the leader at the end of it is kind of like listen i know that it's like totally you know 98 but we're talking 1798 you, <laughs> yeah, you will be flogged funny. wrong right. century wrong century <laughs> So that's what's going on with my workbench, at least. Mark, what's on with your bench? Oh, well, my bench is a little messy right now. Um, Wait, before we get to that, though, is it the bench at the house or the old house? I think that's the big question. It's the old house. And actually, it was a big moment for us a couple days ago. We were able to take some of the crap that's been accumulating in the spare uh, bedroom and actually put it in the garage. So we have a messy, crappy garage like normal people. Nice. Yeah, I mean, there's totes in there and old blankets and like you know Christmas decorations and everything. It's it's kind of an amazing thing for us. You didn't you didn't let Nicole drive the car in just once before you filled it up with junk again? No, you know here's the dirty little secret uh, about Nicole's parking habits. We have a, <laughs> a we have a circular drive in the front of our house, and as much as she has you know we've we've made this thing about her wanting to park in the garage. The truth is, what she wants to be is very close to the front door. So the circular drive is like her spot. And the, so really what's going to happen, the truck is going to go in the garage. Her car is going to stay in the front of the house just because it's more convenient for her. Um, so, yeah, it's actually now going to be for me and not for her, if you can Very believe nice. it. So, yeah, so the, uh, the, the move went really well. Everything is, is in place now. I'm really just starting to fine-tune things. Dust collection is, is done. 
trying to get the lumber rack situated. And in fact, I think I've got that scheduled for Friday. Uh, the whole project video for the lumber rack is going to come out. And I am assembling some, and, and speaking of flogging, some pre-made cabinets for the shop. And what? Yeah, before okay, you throw, I'm out of here. Before the vegetables are thrown, um, what I did was collaborated with uh, my buddy Ron, who's got a big old ShopBot CNC. And the thing was, we went through the plans. We looked at, you know, it's just a plywood cabinet, right? So you make some dados, some grooves, you slap it together with some glue, drive a couple screws, and you're done. Well, I'd rather a machine do that than, than me spend my time doing that. So, um, you know, he gave me a really good price. He took all the sheet goods, had these parts pre-cut. And in fact, it turned out better than what I would have made because I probably would have done like open rabbits to, to do the main joinery and then reinforce them with screws. Well, he's able to do actual, you know, mortise and tenon joints on these things. So, you know, the <laughs> bottom goes in with a, um, you know, it's kind of like you, you rabbit the bottom panel, but you do a, a stopped groove on the side. And then I just trim the little pieces off the front and back and pop it in. So it turned out to be actually better than what I would have done myself. So once that was assembled, I do the edge banding. I'm building the drawers, building the trays, installing all the uh, the hardware and stuff like that. But he pre-drilled the screws for the little five oh, wow. millimeter uh, screw holes for the slides. Yeah. I mean, how great is that? So It's like Ikea, but with oh, instructions. Yes, almost. But, you know, it still took me about four days to kind of get the bottoms together. And I still, the tops haven't been done yet. So the tops will be doing soon, but it's still quite a bit of work, but it also made me realize, you know what? Thank God I did this because I really didn't have the extra week it would have taken to do all the other stuff, you know, that that comes before this. So it really saved me, you know, a heap of time and efforts. So and while that was being built, I was focusing on other stuff and getting other things ready for the shop. Um, so it, it turned out really nice. Um, I even tweeted out the other day what recommendations for uh, benchtop material. I think, Shannon, you even uh, gave me a suggestion for what you used. So yep. I, I basically just went with, um, uh, and when I say benchtop, I mean the top of the cabinets. This is not really like a heavy-duty work surface. It's just kind of a preparation surface more than anything. And I went with particle board, two pieces of, um, I believe it's like five-eighths particle board. Uh, the three-quarters was too heavy, and I didn't feel like moving it. So <laughs> I went with the five-eighths because it was uh, literally just more convenient for me. And then I found, instead of using like brown hardboard, they had this stuff very hardboard-like. I don't know if it was just MDF with a, a wood paint, you know, sort of a wood uh, skin on it or, or what the deal was. But basically is like eighth-inch hardboard, but with a maple face, a continuous huh. maple face, not like grooved paneling either. Um, so I used that for the top, and it looks fantastic and uh, cool. much better than hard hardboard and, you know, just as cheap and easily replaceable. So. Yeah, so I'm really happy with that. Everything is uh, is coming along nicely, and I think we'll be on schedule to uh, start building for the, the next build comes up in May. And I I really would like to start that Maloof, um, the Brock plans, uh, the Maloof chair in April, oh, yeah. if I can. That's like a nice little personal project that would really kick off the shop, you know, the, new, the new shop really nicely. So we'll see. Right. Now, I probably know the answer to this question, but I'm assuming mm -hmm. you probably got some CNC footage and assembly of those cabinets. Yeah, yeah, the assembly's all filmed or mostly filmed. What we're going to do is film the uh, construction, the actual CNC work on the tops. Um, since right. once you've seen one bit of CNC, yeah, you've yeah. kind of seen it all. So uh, I'll get a little bit of footage. We'll talk to Ron about the, the methods he uses, the software he uses, and how the whole thing happens and just kind of make a little interesting video about it. I'd but, just be curious to see, like, how much actual finishing work was left to do. Yeah, you know? Well, basically, right. imagine someone taking your plywood, cutting it to size, and cutting the joinery and handing it off to you. 
<clears throat> okay. You know, yeah. so you've have to, you got to edge band, then sand, then glue, then, you know, make sure everything is nice and square. And actually a lot of the, the parts like, uh, the, the bottom, I described the, um, the big rabbit that went all the way across. Well, I had to cut the little pieces off the front and back so that it would fit into the joints. Um, everything was stopped grooves. So I had to right. do a little bit of work there. Um, but yeah, quite a bit considering, you know, and plus none of the drawers were done. None of the trays were done. That all had to be, uh, done in the shop. So overall, very happy with it. And, and what I wanted to, to talk about a little bit is that sort of me time. And, and you guys know, uh, as well as I do, when you film everything you do and you talk about everything you do, you photograph everything you do, sometimes there's just nothing like going in the shop and doing something and not telling anybody about it. <laughs> you know, you get that impression like suddenly you feel like you're an amazingly good woodworker because it comes together so quickly. <laughs> yeah. versus how it usually goes the other way. No distractions, you know, and, and I consider it my sort of me time in the shop. It's like, you know, no distractions. I'm just focused. I don't even turn on the live cam, even though I want to, like part of me wants to share the experience. But then another side of me says, you know what? I share a lot of what I do. This is something, you know, me just putting shop stuff together is just a very therapeutic sort of mental break for myself. So I, you know, I consider it my therapeutic me time. Yeah, I, I don't worry about the spaghetti stain that's all over the front of my shirt. I don't worry about the fact that <laughs> yeah. what I'm wearing is not the same thing I was wearing at the beginning of the day. You lie. You don't worry about that anyway. <laughs> You're right. That's I don't really. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm just the side of like just standing there with my apron and that's it. <laughs> yeah, I, I finally gave up on the whole trying to pretend that it's all one shot and I'm still wearing the same thing. Yeah. Oh, like, forget you know what? about that, dude. I mean, <laughs> screw it. <laughs> sometimes you got to film something. You only have five minutes uh, on a particular day. Are you going to really right. save that shirt for tomorrow too? You know, exactly. <laughs> my, like, my favorite is when you go it's back dark there. outside, it's light outside. It's dark. It's light. It's light. It's light. It's light. It's yeah, light. Not even Fire. an attempt at any illusion of continuity whatsoever. <laughs> exactly. I was going to say when, when you're editing it and you go through like five shirts just for two minutes worth of footage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Although the other day, um, my last couple of handle school lessons, have been very continuous, uh, kind of on purpose, just set the camera on and mill a board. Mm -hmm. And I was, um, I was an iMovie editing it. And, you know, you can kind of quickly scrub through to get to a spot. And the dog did not move in like an <laughs> hour and a half of footage. It's like time-lapse photography. And it's like, God, is he alive? Alex, are you okay? Poke him. He didn't move once in Poke. the background. Nice. It's amazing the special effects that uh, Shannon's capable of doing these days. <laughs> lazy dog, lazy dog. All right, gents, let's move on to the magazine roundup. And, you know, I have to admit I'm a little bit late just because I've been so busy with stuff um, getting to my magazine. So, um, you know, I'm going to talk a little bit about the, the last issue of Pop Woodworking, but it may be old news for you guys. Uh, but I see, Shannon, you got something from American Woodworker that you want to talk about? Yeah, this is this is kind of new because I, I very rarely look at this magazine. I don't have a subscription to it, but hmm. probably like most of us, um, you know, you go to a, a bookstore or whatever and you kind of take a look and see what's out there. And, you know, you see the, the scroll saw magazine and the wood carving magazine and the turning magazines and just kind of see what's up. Usually it ends up being more of look at the front cover and see, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. fine woodworking, a pop woodworking covered that six months ago. But, right. Um, this this issue, they actually had um, something on compound angled dovetails, which um, is a royal pain in the butt. And I was like, you know, I'd like to see another take. I only really know one way to do it. Mm -hmm. And I've kind of gotten to the point where I can kind of get decent looking dovetails when I do it that way. Um, again, this is this is by hand. But um, sure. it's uh, it's really interesting. And, and they've got a, a little like step stool slash toolbox project 
that has, now this is not a compound, um, I don't think it's a compound joint, it's just an angled dovetail, but then they have a whole kind of masterclass thing later on on, on laying out and cutting compound angled uh, dovetails, which is nice. It's kind of cool, you know? What are, I mean, what are just, some of the applications? Like what, what projects would you normally see something like that in? <clears throat> I mean, I always think of, you know, just like a small decorative box, but um, I've, I've had some interesting ideas for, mostly inspired by Daryl Peart. Um, what is it? Is it his Aurora series? Mm-hmm. Yep. He's got a, a tall chest that has a taper all the way up to the top. And it's actually tapered front to back and side to side. Mm. So he's got a compound joint. Now, in, in his instance, I'm pretty sure it's all mortise and tenon joinery because it's, it's green and green style stuff. But I've had this idea, this sketch I've been playing around with, with like a... Kind of um, kind of a jewelry cabinet of sorts. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark, I think you made something. You made a. I remember you showed some jewelry cabinet for Nicole at one point. Okay. Kind of a little bit taller with doors that open up, but I wanted to do the whole thing as almost like a pyramidal shape to it, but then dovetail the corners. Nice. Um, that that's the most common thing that comes to mind. I mean, it's it's really a decorative um, application. I mean, compound dovetails is a pain in the butt. Because you just don't do it. Yeah, that yeah. Well, it's an opportunity yeah. to kind of just show your stuff a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I I see it mostly in doing it in like a small box, you know, because I, I couldn't imagine dovetailing entire carcasses that way. It just would be, <laughs> you know, after a while, I, I mean, you start talking compound angles, and my head starts to spin a little. There's, yeah, yeah. The reason be. I majored in music, there so you, <laughs> you know, it's just not it's not something I can get my head around very much. Cool. So, what month uh, is that? American Woodworker. Oh, good point. It is. Um, it's the latest month. It's uh number one fifty three, April May two thousand eleven. Okay. Great. Uh, yeah. Whenever yeah, I think of fancy, dub, fancy dovetails, I always think of um, oh, uh, uh, oh, why uh, Frank Klaus at uh, Woodworking in America talking about the blind dovetail. Is it the blind miter dovetail deal? Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. It's like you, you work on it and then it disappears and it's gone. <laughs> it's gone forever. No one will know it's there. Well, actually, we when I was in one of those sessions, one of his sessions last year, and and that was like you know I'm wondering what is the application for this, and then someone said. You know, the perfect application for it is, you know, like the base of a dresser, let's say, and you've got sort of uh, bracket feet and you've, yeah. you know, and that's a place where you could really use some extra strength where like a standard miter just really isn't going to cut it. So you actually do have in, in that case, you know, it's not just hidden joinery. It's actually doing something really, really helpful uh, in that instance. So there are definitely some applications for that stuff. Yeah, I've I seen it used like a- in carcasses where they have that mitered corner, so they don't want any visible joinery. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and right. there's a lot of stress on that joint. So sure, it makes sense. and it, it's a nice surprise for restoration workers later on, like a hundred years down the road. They're like, "Whoa, oh my God, look at those are dovetails!" <laughs> there you go. Wow, I didn't know yeah. he was capable of that. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, all right. Well, I've got an article here from Pop Woodworking. This is the April 2011 issue. And uh, two names you guys are probably familiar with if you pay attention to the blogging community. Uh, Bob Rosowski. Is that how you pronounce his name? Rosowski? Rosiaski. Rosiaski. Yeah, I knew that was wrong. And Wilbur Pan. And great That's article. Pan. Is it really? No. <laughs> I, I, I had a feeling you were Sorry, messing with me. All I can think of is that movie <laughs> Step Brothers. Are you saying Pam or Pan? <laughs> You, you know, have to see the movie when. So. Believe it or not, I didn't. I didn't see that movie. But um, well, what? I feel like an idiot. Yeah, surprisingly. Um, anywho, I was there with you, Shannon. Back me up, Chad. <laughs> so anyway, this is an article called "Separated at Birth," and really fantastic article. Article for answering the question: What is the difference between Western and your sort of uh, Japanese style hand planes? 
And, you know, other than just the push and pull concept, they actually go into the There's anatomy. There's a third syllable in Japanese, isn't there? Uh, yes, there is. So okay. that, that's an additional difference. Uh, right. yeah, but, the you know, the anatomy of the planes, the actual movement, and there's a lot of details here. And I think most of us are probably familiar with Western style, and it kind of comes naturally to us. But what is it that makes these uh, Japanese planes so different, and how do they work? How do they accomplish the same thing in very different ways or with very different plane anatomy? So really, I just found it a fantastic read, and it, it made my uh, my duty session go by like really fast. So, I love articles like that. <laughs> you don't even know it's gone. That's terrible. <laughs> wow. Uh, was that too it much information? To worse if, or? if you're if you're I, out of sheets, you always have the article because you're done reading it. <laughs> you don't need it after that. Have, that's that's terrible, man. That. that is just terrible. It's terrible. Um, so that's really that was that was it for me. I mean, there's a lot of good articles in, in this. Well, every issue of Pop Woodworking is just fantastic. But I got to say, I love the fact that they're sort of extending the um, the reach of of who is getting a voice in this magazine and going to right. a lot of folks that we know in the community. It's absolutely fantastic and a great article and just a lot of great stuff in this particular issue. So Pop Woodworking is most definitely not disappointing me in in the uh, in the print world for sure. Yeah. You know, Bob's and a I good thought, writer too. He is. He's a very good writer. If you've read any of his blog stuff, which I highly recommend, any of you in the in the chat room or listening to the show, if you haven't done it yet, you have to read some of his stuff. And Wilbur's got some good stuff up there too. He's okay too. It's probably Wilbur's better right. than this show. You should probably just go do that right now. I, did Did you see that um, that clip? I agree. Was that on Pop Woodworking's blog where they had the clip of uh, Wilbur giving uh, the, yes. the Schwarz a lesson in how to use a, his pamphlets? Al Novice. Yes, I no, think it was. With the, the Japanese planes? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, the, Wilbur started out in that. Because at one point, even Frank Klaus got in on it, too. Oh. No, I think Al filmed it. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Al, you're yeah. right. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sandalwoods. Uh, yeah. Okay, well, that's what I was talking about. Yeah, that was actually really cool to look at. But now, do you, do you have either of you used a Japanese plane or even owned one at this point? <laughs> None of the above. No. I, I used one once. And? That is all. You so know, it's it, so good you never went back <laughs> well you know it was it was awesome but here's the thing it was it was with a guy who um it was actually a sharpening class i took years and years ago and he had done all the sharpening he had set the wedge he'd got it set up just right so that it was taking you know a four one billionth of an inch shaving yeah and and then i put it to the wood and pulled and it put out this, you know, ridiculously thin gossamer shaving, full width of the board, full length of the board. It was really, really cool. And that was it, you know. Yeah, um, kind of like when I, you go to a wood show and any plane you use there is just like absolutely perfectly tuned on the most perfect piece of wood. Well, <laughs> like, like a Ron Brees one where you can tie a string to the handle and just pull it along and make a full that's, length shaving. That's exactly yeah. what I was thinking about. It's like, you know right. what? That, that, I know this is a great plane, but guess what? You know, if you're not good at tuning it, you're still not going to be able to get that type of a shaving. Yeah. Yeah. This plane will be amazing for the first five minutes in my shop and then it'll go purely downhill from there. Yeah, you know, I, I have used used one and I, I never really bought one I just used one like borrowed one at one point and it it just reminded me of kind of like you know playing baseball and batting left-handed you know yeah. it, it was yeah. like maybe eventually I can get this but it just felt it feels backwards to me um, very wrong yeah and, and but some things you know like a push and pull for saws you know sometimes that to me that's a little bit easier to wrap my head around and I've got a, a, dozuki, a dozuki that I use all the time I like it it doesn't feel unnatural to me, I can kind of interchange between uh, those two. But in the world of planes, it's it, there's going to be a little bit more of a learning curve there, at least for me personally. 
Yeah. The closest I've come to is when I just turned my hand plane around and pulled it towards me just to see what it would do. And that's the closest I've got. <laughs> I, do, I use my block plane like that all the time. Just, I've done it once or twice. I mean, yeah, just, just if to, it's more convenient, you know, and I can't get the angle the right way or I don't feel like re, you know, clamping the thing in the workpiece and turning it around because I'm lazy. <laughs> I did that sure. with a shoulder plane the other day. I was trying to, I was just playing around with some uh, uh, mortise and tenon joinery and I was cleaning up a shoulder. And that's what I, I tried that. I'm like, well, rather than me moving, because I don't like moving, there's a potential <laughs> of sweating if that was to happen. You would <laughs> notice that that's what drives around. most of those decisions. It's, it's not, <laughs> this was more efficient. It was, I just was too lazy to move. Yeah, it's know? just a matter of convenience. Okay. Can you please explain your theory? Um, I don't like moving. Next question. <laughs> All right, well, it looks like we're spreading the love here, Matt. You got something from Wood Magazine, and it says something about a grinder, and I'm assuming that's not a sandwich. Correct. Uh, not this time, at least. There could be <laughs> grinder on the grinder. Okay. But uh, one thing, you know, it, it, this is, is really silly, and we, I think we, we had talked about this at one point uh, earlier today. I have this thing where up until recently, I to let everybody know this month, I am turning the big 4-0, so officially I'm old. I'm really old. I'm no having way. a midlife crisis. Yes. You old man. I know. I'm ancient Jeez, now. You could be my dad. Oh, I, you're poor <laughs> right, maybe, maybe not. Maybe it's not that bad. But. So you if could be my case, dad if he was only four years older than me. <laughs> we went to school together. He was quite an active child. Um, so anyways, back on topic, gentlemen, you're disgusting. <laughs> Sorry. I can't believe I'm associated with you guys. Mm -hmm. But anyways, I started using my grinder more than ever. Previously, I, I would try to be the tough guy. Like when I was in mountain biking, I loved uphill climbing because apparently I'm sadistic like that. So I would do the same thing with my, my old chisels. Once the bevel got to the point where I needed to regrind it, I would break out, you know, my, my uh, roughest stone. I would start grinding it, and I finally said, to hell with that. You're an idiot. Get a grinder, and let's go from there. Mm -hmm. So I was really kind of excited when I saw in the May uh, 2011 issue of Wood, make your grinder greater. Uh, improve the performance of your bench grinder with these simple tips and accessories. Uh, basically, the first portion that talks about top performance always come down to the wheels. Most grinders come with 36 and 60 grit silicon. Silicone? Silicon? Silicon? The silicon? Element wheels. number 14. Silicon. Silicon? There you go. <laughs> I like to say silicon. Silicon. Because it just sounds uh, fun. Silicon. Going to Silicon Valley. Uh, anyways, identified by the gray coarse texture. Uh, those work great for lawnmower blades, but not for woodworking tools. And they're so right, which is a good reason why I swapped mine out for the white one. And I felt like I was getting good results from it. But it's kind of neat to look at these ideas. Like, I didn't think it was possible to put a blade stiffener on it. I mean, I have a really old grinder. So as I was reading through this article, there's a few things in here. I probably should just break down and buy a new one, which would be a lot better probably for my tools and for my neighbors. So they don't hear all the screaming and everything. <laughs> Do you have a but, variable speed one or is it just a fixed speed? Yeah, it has uh, two speeds, stop and go. Um, <laughs> on and off. <laughs> on and off, exactly. It, you know the scary thing? It doesn't even have an on and off switch. It has a plug in, plug out. Oh, that's it's great. Nice. That's safe too. It is, but it has a, a work light on it. So, you know, what more can you ask for? Nice. Uh, so anyways, though, that, that's what I have is uh, this just really old one, but it works. And, you know, I, you're not grinding that much, to be quite honest with you. If you are, then maybe you should start considering what you're using your tools for and how mm -hmm. you're, you know, honing them in between. So the few times I do go to it, I, I found this article to be really, really helpful uh, talking about, you know, the best way to balance your wheels, if you need to balance your wheels, what wheels to get for the best results so you don't burn your blades. In fact, the first time I used the grinder, 
I didn't realize you didn't want a rainbow effect on the edge. It turns out that's not really good. Pretty. Pretty yeah, it sparks. Pretty. Look at the pretty sparks. <laughs> oh, my shirt's on fire. Shirt's on fire. Mm, nice. Do it again, the Wood Whisperer t-shirt. I'm good now. <laughs> Great. But then it also goes into discussing like grinder wheels, uh, needing dressing, which is really kind of interesting because the only dressing tool that I have is this thing that I swear it looked like the guy just went out into the parking lot, broke up some asphalt and then handed it to me. It was really, nice. really ugly. So it takes a look at the different dressing tools. And I thought that was pretty neat. But it's really interesting how you can upgrade the tool rest because the one that comes with it, it works but it doesn't have a lot of expansion room in it to for for various tools. Like if I was just going to be doing, say, the mower blade, it would work fantastic with this tool rest. Yeah. Now I'm starting to look at those aftermarket tool rests and thinking I might need to get one of those. Wolverine, so I, baby. The one-way uh, Wolverine jig is, is great. Get the Veragrind thing. You could do your turning tools with that. It, it works fantastic. Oh, I don't have turning tools. You should get some. To match, okay. to go with your Wolverine shake, <laughs> to go with your sharpening shake. <laughs> well, in that case, honey, I need to buy some turning tools now. Why? You don't have a lathe. Who cares? But yeah, they've got uh, two attachments. One is basically just a, a souped up, much wider face for, you know, your standard little tilt mechanism. And then the other one is uh, for turning tools. And you could just kind of drop the handle of a, a bowl gouge or something right into it. It works really well. Excellent. Well, actually, in the article, that's it talks about yeah the, the Wolverine basic, and then it goes into the uh, yeah the other one. So they go, excellent. Wow, did you write this? Let me look. I might have. Oh my gosh, look but, at that. Nope, not you. <laughs> not me. Nope. But anyways, so, so I thought cool. that was a pretty neat one. And if anybody else is interested, I know a lot of beginners. Uh, the grinder, really, to be honest with you, it's 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 a pretty damn good tool, especially if you want to take that step into hand tools. And at some point, you're gonna need to put a really good edge on it. So. Well, and half the time they don't necessarily come at the angle that you want them to be. You know, so mm. you're going to need to to reestablish the angle and doing that on a stone. I mean, like you mentioned at the beginning, that is just a bear. Uh, right. Even on the the lowest grit, that's going to take forever. So, um, you know, learning how to use it, a grinder is pretty darn handy. You know, or that, you that's can a good do it like me and get a wet grinder and go. This is taking a really long time. <laughs> Doesn't seem like it should be taking this long, but it does. It's and then so you look and you have the dog hooked up to it who should be running, but he's laying there for all those hours that you've been working. And so yeah. therefore not working for exactly. you. Shannon's lazy dog. But you know, the, 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 it's kind of funny that you mentioned that whole thing with being able to change the bevel because in the past we've had, uh, at least I know I've had uh, over at my site, a couple of questions from people asking, you know, hey, I, I got this one set of chisels and it keeps folding over on me. Is there something we could do? And I've talked to some manufacturers and what are their big suggestions is, oh, you know what? <laughs> we should change the bevel on that, the primary, and you'll get a better result from it. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, as soon as they did that, a uh, set that maybe would normally, you know, roll over on them in no time at all gives them just that much more time between sharpening. So, you know, probably what that manufacturer wasn't saying is, oh, yeah, we actually burned the temper out of that steel. So you need to regrind that and get past that part. <laughs> that must have been the thing that he was mumbling as he was eating the yeah. chips. <laughs> yeah, you need to regrind that. A different beveling and get past the, the tempered part. And then it'll be okay. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah, Very pretty cool. much. That was it. <laughs> Very good. All right, let's move into our uh, From the Forum because there's lots of great stuff at the, uh, the Wood Talk Online Forum going on every single day. <laughs> 
Oh, yeah, it, I like that one. It's a good one. And I picked one here from my buddy Bill Akins, and he built a shaker table, one of the, well, it was actually the first guild build that we ever did. And he mentioned to his wife how this cherry wood is going to darken over time. So he put up a post and just kind of proving the point, took the picture from the same angle in the same spot and showed uh, what a difference a year makes is what he called it. So you can actually see a side-by-side, two pictures with just one year. And he said it didn't really have excessive light exposure. It was kind of in a hallway and had some sunlight, but not really direct sunlight. And that alone caused it to go several shades darker so a lot of times, folks, if you're using cherry, Shannon, you're using cherry on your uh, project. The cherry is a great hand tool yep. wood to work with. Um, you need to know where it's going to end up. Otherwise, in some cases, depending on what you're looking for the wood, if you don't want it to get darker, you're going to have a problem. Um, yep. But in most cases, it's just gorgeous. I absolutely love the the aged natural cherry look. So um, we'll put the link in the show notes for that, but you definitely want to check it out. It's a real good example of just yeah. one year of moderate exposure, what that can do to cherry. And talk about um, what's what's more extreme exposure or what more than moderate exposure and what, what <laughs> happens then. <clears throat> I've got a, a desk organizer I built, um, I don't know, a couple years ago, I guess. It was mm-hmm. for one of the sawdust chronicles challenge things and that actually sat in sunlight on my desk mm. for about a year and a half one side of it anyway and it's really cool because it's it's certainly darkened and browned on the non-exposed side just through oxidization oxidization <laughs> you're just making up words to <laughs> <It's just strategic. laughs> is that when when your lumber oxidizes <laughs> yes <laughs> it's, it's it's ghetto <laughs> so um Anyway, the side that was exposed to the sunlight, I mean, it's its gorgeous. Yeah. It's really much, much darker. Yeah. I, like I, I have a, a desk that I built for my daughter, and you can see it on, on the outside, how much darker it is. And then she opens it, which tells me how often she doesn't use the desk <laughs> at all. You can see how light it is, and there you're like, whoa, yeah. wait a minute. Big difference. Well, and the other thing that it does is if you're not real careful about your lumber selection and you wind up getting a little bit of sapwood and, Lump, you know. Lumber your lumber selection, um, you know, truth is sometimes you can't necessarily make out the difference on some boards. You can't tell that it's sapwood. Mm-hmm. And boy, after about a year, you sure know where the sapwood is. You yeah, know, I, you know, I should post a picture of that. That's what Aiden's dresser at the very top. Mm-hmm. I uh, joined two boards together and I kind of already knew it was going to be, you know, the sapwood, but it wasn't that different. And now this is like, you know, a couple years <laughs> yeah. down the road, there is a, it looks like a skunk stripe right down the yeah. middle. And I'm like, you know, I hope this is what stinks in here and not what's <laughs> under that bed. Yeah. I mean, if it, if, if you luck out and it looks good, you know, if it's in a good spot and it actually looks decorative, great. But most of the time, if you didn't expect it, you, you know, it's like a crapshoot and you wind up with this huge white streak down the middle of a, you know, the back of a bed or something like that, the big panel in the back that's just an eyesore. So definitely want to pay attention to that. Your client calls and you go, oh, sorry, that business has been gone. It's under new management now. Yeah, right. (laughs) And then there's a problem. We're out of business. Sorry. (laughs) All right. What you got, Shannon? Uh, I found, uh, let's see, this is, it's a little bit older. I'm trying to remember when this thread actually started, but someone had asked a question about the right plane for thicknessing and, it's it's just a perfect example of the community that is the Wood Talk Online forum. The gentleman, and, and I should pull up the link, but I don't remember who started it. Brian said, Glenn uh, Denning. Yep, okay. was back in August of 2010. Really, that long ago? Okay. Um, he no, had wait. mentioned that... No. no. Oh, that's when he started. Okay, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. It just like it was that long ago. March 27th. Okay. So he mentioned that he was doing his... Um, 
his initial like scrub plane, four plane thicknessing work just using a toothing blade. And he's like, what would be the best plane for this? Or should I just stick to my toothing blade? And there's some, there's some good answers. And, you know, yeah, toothing blade is going to cause a lot of work. And then Bob Rosieski strolls into the chat room Bob. and just lays down the law. Bob. And it's just awesome. Yeah, but he does have the mentor tag. So, <laughs> yes, it is, it is an awesome post because you know, I actually posted after it. And I was just like, yeah, I have nothing else to say. So, Thanks, Bob. Well, it I was... like how he starts it out. Bob's first thing, warning. <laughs> warning. I'm getting on getting my, my soapbox soap for this response. Perfect, perfect. I it love was it. Just, it's a really good post because there's a lot of other good posts in there saying you could try this result or this result or, you know, try the four plane, try the scrub plane. There's a lot of differing opinions, which I think in this instance, it's never going to go away. And then Bob just has a phenomenal answer. You know, it's somebody that actually cares and spends a lot of time typing it out. Right. So. And you can tell he kind of reeled himself in on a couple of things. I mean, he talks about how, you know, it, it, he, he doesn't like the way that this, the way some people are doing this or it's not mm -hmm. his favorite way to do it. So he throws in a lot of emoticons. So it's just like one of those. <laughs> mm -hmm, yeah. And, this, and then you would do this. Well, For, you would forcing do this, a smile. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, a great post for sure. Well, cool. Matt, what you got, brother? Okay, well, I found one, and actually, Shannon, you were the last contributor on this one, so you might remember it. It was a, a question about from uh, Frank from Texas who was asking about uh, board foot uh, versus, like, pre-dimensioned lumber because apparently mm, yeah. he only has – he can only get poplar from the local big box, and he was kind of wondering about the, the price really when it comes down to it versus – you know, pre-dimensioned lumber versus uh, a rough lumber. Are you really, when it comes down to it, saving quite a bit of money? Is that's what I got from this. Maybe, maybe it was a completely different topic, but that was the one thing I definitely picked up on it. Mm -hmm. And you know, and when because when it comes down to it, I mean, the idea of pre-dimensioned lumber in a lot of situations, it seems like you're saving yourself time and money, and somehow it's going to work out. But I think uh, as as this thing goes on, you know, it really does point out the fact that you end up paying a lot more when it comes down to it to the, for the pre-dimension stuff. And, mm -hmm. you know, and then like you pointed out, Shannon, it, it, it really does come down to the fact that you're, you're not getting the best stuff in the world either. It's, <laughs> yeah. It's basically crap. Yeah. And then it's been surfaced the and then it's moved. So it needs to be surfaced again. So you end up with a five eighths inch thick board because by the time you get it flat, yeah, it's, it's a nightmare, you know? Yeah. And, and the more, the more I work at a lumber yard, the more I realize just how much crap you and I, average Joe woodworker, is exposed to. That we're told this is high quality wood, and it's just like, no, it's not. It's terrible. <laughs> you know, by the time it ended up in Lowe's and Home Depot and and you know all these places that sell hardwoods, it's like the bottom of the barrel stuff that's been picked over seven, eight, nine times since it came from the sawmill. And, and all the good stuff is gone. You know, first, well, you notice that Home Depot and Lowe's, they don't use the terms firsts and seconds in common because it just NHLA grading rules would, would roll over and just throw up <laughs> if they looked at this stuff. Yeah. So it's, it's no, just just walk away. <laughs> buy, right. buy your, like, toilet flange and, and, you know, your home improvement stuff there. Go to a lumber yard. Yeah, it's, de it's definitely part of the initial learning curve as people start to get into the craft. And, they, you know, really the first place you think is you go to the hardware store to buy lumber yeah. where you always see wood. You know, it's the only place you come into contact with raw wood like that. So where why wouldn't you go there? Uh, right. And then you start to realize, oh, wait, I should be going somewhere else. But this is still more convenient. So I'm going to go here. And then enough yeah. times you'll get burned and you'll either pay way more or you'll get stuff that warps on you and you just can't use it. That you realize, you know what, even if it's a little bit of a drive, it's so much 
you know, more efficient and better and cost, uh, uh, you know, the cost is better if you go to an actual lumber place to get your materials. Well worth it. That was one of my justifications when I, I first uh, bought my my planer was I was thinking, you know, well, this is my justification to Samantha. Honey, seriously, if I buy this now, it will pay for itself. <laughs> no, you know, and there was a lot of yelling and stuff, but it, it, it did because the options that opened up, I mean, Home Center Lumber, what's the typical you're going to find there? Oak, uh, let's see, uh, uh, maybe maple. Uh, you'll find some poplar. 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 It's really poplar over at Popla the Lama. at the Homa Center. <laughs> yeah. um, and we there's uh, one around here that I can get walnut, but it's the really? best. The, the widest board I can get is maybe three inches, and yeah. you know that's about. And, and that three inch by four foot high board is going to cost me about sixty bucks. So you oh, know, and on top of it, it's slightly bent. Speaking of quality, God, I can't believe you can actually get walnut at a home. That is pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Walnut, walnut has its own grading rules because it's, I mean, it's, I love walnut. It's one of my favorite woods, but it's a crappy tree. I mean, just as how, as far as how the tree grows, they had to actually develop, um, National Hardwood Lumber Association, NHLA. Those are the people behind FAS grading and all that stuff. They actually had to develop a different grading system for walnut because it sucks. I mean, no you kidding. just can't get the clear faces and everything that you can get on cherry or maple. So oh. FAS cherry is completely different from FAS walnut. No, no there's kidding. more knots. There's there's Same. not nearly the width, the length or anything because the walnut tree just doesn't grow. It's pickier how it grows and it usually ends up getting choked out by maples and cherries in that matter. And it, it doesn't grow as nicely. Stupid walnut tree. Yeah, dumb and, walnut tree. And this service message has been brought to you by the growers of hardwood. <laughs> Uh, Nickelbacher, Mick Givens, and Smith, right? There you go. Isn't that yes. your lumber where you work? <laughs> I just make it up every time. <laughs> All right, enough goofiness. Let's talk about something really serious, like the around the web portion of the show. I've got a, quite a few things here. Let's rip through this because we're going to go very long today if we don't. I uh, do, do want to mention that right about now, in fact, which I'm not inviting you to leave if you're in the chat room, but I will let you know that the Wood Chat hosted by uh, Adam King over there on Twitter is going on right about now. So if you want to talk business of woodworking and all the fun stuff they get into over there, I'm not, I think it's an open topic night uh, over there. So if you go over to Twitter and look at the, uh, you could search for Pound Wood Chat and you could follow it. And I think they even have a collective area where you can go to it's a certain web page that kind of uh, aggregates all of the posts for the Wood Chat. And, and I'm going over there right now to let everybody know <laughs> if they stay with us, they get free wood from Shannon. Oh, nice. That's very kind of you, Shannon. Thank you. I'm typing it right now. <laughs> huh? What? Sorry, I was at Wood Chat. So yeah, Wednesday <laughs> nights. And usually it, it is Wednesday night, so it winds up being most of the time about an hour after we start. If you want to get into that on a, on a weekly basis, it's great stuff over there if you like speaking in 140 characters at a time. <laughs> okay, uh, other things that we've got. You know what? I'm going to skip this because there really wasn't a whole lot to talk about. I was going to talk about my the favorite um, April Fool's jokes, but I put up a blog post about that. And really all I wanted to say about this is how funny it is that every year it never fails. 
people do the April Fool's jokes. They're really not that funny. I mean, there's a couple of them that are clever. Lee Valley's uh, Photoshop work is always great just to see what kind of crazy tool they come up with. And there are a couple really funny things. But for the most part, it's just a whole lot of effort for stuff that's not really that funny. And then the, the funniest part about April Fool's Day is the week later when the apology letters go out. <laughs> and then someone has to, you know, put their tail between their legs and be like, look, we thought this was funny, but clearly a lot of people didn't. We're really sorry. And I think specifically uh, Rob Johnstone at uh, Woodworkers Journal had to write a sort of, right. yeah, had to write a little bit of an apology. I mean, I feel bad when that stuff happens because I know they, they really have to just keep everybody happy. But I know, I mean, he's got to be thinking, you know what? Lighten up, people. Give me a <laughs> seriously. Break. It was a f- stupid joke. It's April 1st. We're, you know, in America. This is what we do, you know, and, and whether you like it or not, if you don't like it, stay off the Internet on April 1st. It's probably your best bet. Right. You know, because it's not going to be very useful to you. So anyway, I just thought it was funny. That's hilarious to me. <laughs> totally unrelated to woodworking. And I know we, we need to move this along. Did you happen to see the um, Playmobil Apple playset came mm. out on thinkgeek.com? Mm-mm, I missed that. <laughs> oh, yeah, funny. yeah, I did see that. <laughs> they, 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 I mean, it was incredible the amount of work that went into this. I mean, they took like a bunch of Playmobil toys and they made an Apple store and like <laughs> one awesome. of the optional packs was the optional line package for product release days. And it's just basically a bunch of people that you stand in a line. It was just hilarious. Oh, that's great. Send me that link. Yeah, I will. Okay. Next we've got uh, something that our buddy Yucatan, Dan, Daniel Russell sent in. He's always uh, recently been sending us a lot of cool links. Uh, there's a website called American craftsman project.com and they've got a gallery there. It's one of those sites that, uh, I don't know, looks like it was designed about eight years ago because it's all slick and flashy and it's actually hard <laughs> to figure out what the heck you're supposed to do with it. But basically Until you start having like a migraine after being there for a few minutes. Yeah, kind of. Um, but you, you click on the little uh, icons at the top and you could see basically they're highlighting American craftsmen uh, of various different uh, areas. So they've got, you know, sort of a guitar maker, a wheel maker, a shoemaker, and, and it's just really great photography. Um, it's sort of all sepia, sepia tone-ish, and just really, really good quality photography. So go check that out at uh, AmericanCraftsmanProject.com. Thanks for that link, Daniel. That was great. I do want to mention also HomeFixated.com has some free stuff that you can get your hands on, get your grubby mitts on. Um, let's see, Mark over, he's Mark with a C, which is good because he's spelling it right. <laughs> he's got a little giveaway where they're I think this month it's a sustainer uh, Festool has their new T-Lock Ooh. sustainers I don't know if you guys saw those but they're like regular sustainers but they're different <laughs> and they they have like a new locking mechanism and a curved handle um, you know it's a better like 20% wheel. more green yeah exactly yeah, it's one of those things um, but yeah actually it is very cool so it's a little giveaway for a new T-Lock sustainer so head over to homefixated.com slash free dash stuff and you can get in on it and all you really have to do is leave comments on the website um and you could win something over day excellent yeah it's good stuff we got a couple of things you're welcome adam sorry he knows what i'm talking about (laughs) oh okay all right i'll pay attention to this now (laughs) sorry uh, to interrupt you shannon but uh, yeah we've got to move on (laughs) 
<laughs> All right. Well, you know, one thing that's coming up, and it is, uh, it's about a week or so away, the Lee Nielsen Hand Tool event. Now, of course, these travel all over the country. Uh, chances are there's one that's going to be in a vicinity near you. Mm-hmm. If not, um, get yourself in the vicinity. But uh, Popular Woodworking has having one at their little studio space they have there. And you can stop by there if you're in the Cincinnati area. It's uh, April 15th. That's my birthday. Those are two great days because mine's the next day. Oh, see that? It's almost like they did it on purpose. It is. Maybe that's what they're trying to do. Yeah, it was. So what? Yeah, that was the day after when everybody was like, (laughs) oh, God, I can relax now. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, one thing you can do is well, come on, little Mark, get born. I need the deduction. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, yeah, something like that. That's why my family curses me so much. They're like, "Damn it, you were late then. You're late now. Mm-hmm. You're a day late. And you cost us so much money every year." Uh, but one thing they do have, we have a link for this popular woodworking event with Lee Nielsen. What's well, the Lee Nielsen hand tool event? Uh, and basically, if you can find your way to Cincinnati that weekend, of course, you'll be able to hang out with all of them. I don't know why you would. They're just kind of much fun guys. It's like a mini woodworking in America is almost how they're billing this, which oh, I think really? is, that's how they, they seem to always kind of bill it that way. I think if I said that now, I'm probably going to get a phone call pretty soon. It'll be yeah. like, why, why did you say that? You know what? Um, if you go to one of these things just you know to warn you, either bring money or just expect to bring out the credit card. I mean, yes. it's it's Pretty nearly much, impossible. Yeah. I don't care how many tools you have. I don't care whether you need anything or not. It's that little sort of bubble of influence, you know, that you walk into it and you start breathing the air and you smell the, the you know, what's his name's over there sharpening and doing a demo and they've got <laughs> yeah. that big display of the hand tools. And it's, it's, I mean, you have to have a lot of willpower to walk out of there with nothing in your hands. I mean, I don't care yeah. what it is. I see stuff that I'm never going to use, and I go, I must have it. <laughs> you know, but, like my fishtail chisel that I bought that I haven't even used yet. <laughs> I, I have the same thing. That's exactly what happened to me last year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you start inventing things that you need, and you really don't need it, but it's but it makes you feel really good. Well, I got really lucky because this past weekend we were in Chicago and it was the Chicago Lee Nielsen event at Jeff Miller's. And that's one of the reasons why we had come into town and I didn't make it to it because we were late with traffic. And then we had the tickets to go see naked people at the museum, which is a whole other story, which was really kind of fun. And then <laughs> uh, but this was the first time I didn't feel guilty leaving Chicago because normally when I come into town and I go to that Lee Nielsen thing, I end up leaving with something I didn't plan on buying. And the next thing I know, I've got well a good three and a half hour drive to come up with a really great experience excuse why I have a Lee Nielsen bag next to me. Uh, <laughs> nice. Luckily with the show, I claim that it's, they gave me free stuff. So that kind of helps out. And uh, Matt also forgot to mention that those naked people are dead. Oh yeah, uh, they were dead. That's yeah. right. Okay. Yeah, next on the list, we've got uh, this. I just put up on the website today. I thought it was really cool. A uh, German company by the name of Maffel, M-A-F-E-L-L has a panel saw that'll blow your mind. And it basically looks, you know, kind of like what we expect from a track saw where uh, only this one is actually attached. The saw doesn't come off of the track. And I, someone sent it to me, uh, Couch Control on Twitter sent it to me. And I was like, eh, what is this? You know, it just looks like a, you know, another Festool, but you can't take the thing off of the track. No, this sucker is motorized. So you push a button and it just scoots along the track and you connect the dust collection to the track and the channel of the track actually facilitates the dust collection all the way down the line. And you can cut a full eight-foot sheet, no problem. And you got a little button that's kind of a send and return. And you could stop it, bring it back, push it forward, whatever you want to do. Completely automated. And I was just like, you've got to be kidding me. I mean, I would never buy it, and I certainly can't afford it because it's like three grand. But just cool stuff. It's just fun to watch. 
Oh, it's like from the shop of the future. (laughs) In the future, (laughs) woodworkers will never have to touch wood. They just push (laughs) buttons. Yeah, pretty crazy stuff. So I put the link in the show notes for that. You guys can go over there and drool. And it is available if you want to buy it, but uh, it's going to cost you three grand. So Shannon, what's uh, what do you got here? Uh, what do I have? Well, it, you know, I didn't know where else to put this. It's not really around the web, but it's around the um, world. We have, well, I say we, I had very little to do with this, but <laughs> there is a new chapter of the Society of American Period Furniture Makers being formed in Maryland. I'm calling it the Maryland chapter right now, but it's really more of a mid-Atlantic chapter. Um, everything from PA to Virginia. Hmm. Um, and the first inaugural meeting is this Saturday, April 9th. It's down at the Woodcraft in Rockville. And uh, the organizer behind this whole thing has managed to score... Corey Loftheim, one of the cabinet makers from the Williamsburg Anthony Hay Cabinet Shop, who's coming to speak. And it should be awesome. Sweet. This will be legendary. Epic, even. Yeah, even. SAPFM, if you're not familiar, uh, SAPFM is a pretty cool organization. There's probably the the leading minds of period furniture are a part of this. And the stuff that goes on in their forum is is pretty amazing. There's a lot of a lot of folks that basically Wrote, wrote the rules on period furniture. Well, at least they read the rules from the guys that wrote them 300 years ago. <laughs> read so. it and regurgitated it. Pretty much, cool. yeah. Cool beans. No, I'm looking you, forward to that. Now, Shannon, are you getting in good with these guys because you're hoping they're going to bend the rules for you at the Hand Tool Olympics? Is that what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> I don't need them to bend the rules. I'm going <laughs> to kill it. I'm going to be the rule bender. <laughs> Shannon will be the new rule. Uh, well, you know, I'm, Matt and I will be sitting there with our own stopwatch just to make sure everything is done fairly. That's, fine. That's cool. We'll be over there with a Moffle panel saw going, watch this though. <laughs> so, oh my God, that would be so much fun. Just to like pool money, just to take that thing and say, okay, go. Yeah. Just hit a button and step away. I bet you I win. <laughs> just, nice. just to see the look on people's faces. You know, yeah. Yeah, we'd know. get so kicked out. Yeah, exactly. It'd be uh, you guys, out of here. <laughs> Head back over to uh, White Castle. <laughs> All right, so I have something here. Oh, oh, I have something. Ooh, hey, do you guys remember Keith Crookshanks woodtrucks.com? I do sure the, do. I, I do. can't tell if he's back again with some new stuff because I went to his website today and he actually had up there April 2011, but it was some of the videos I'd already seen like back in March and they look like they're newer ones than I had seen even like back in January or December. So if Keith is back up and running, sweet because he has some really amazing videos high quality videos some great stuff to watch the one he had a trip to uh hern hardwoods and uh with the uh the, the furniture maker and they were showing how they picked up the, picked the pieces out specifically like you know there was the flitched log and i want the one that's right there in the middle that's the hardest for you to get to i want to see that one mm-hmm. you know and just it, just the, the detail the attention to detail that keith has in his videos it's mind-boggling. It's, really. His stuff is good, man. He he should yes. be on the TV. Yes, <laughs> he should be on the TV. I mean that. I mean his editing and you know basically he's never really other than the introduction he's not even on uh, on screen. But his video quality and his videography skills are second to none. I mean he's yes. he's fantastic. This stuff really should be on like uh, I don't know some weird cable channel or something that just happens to have an HD channel. You know something. I, I like would that. buy a widescreen TV just to watch these things. Yeah, definitely. You know. TV worthy. I'm yes. sorry. TV worthy. <laughs> All right. And then one more thing. Uh, I don't know how many people saw this. I just saw this go up tonight. Steve Shanassy, the publisher of Popular Woodworking, is apparently stepping down. And 
going back to be just just a woodworker. Well, so what's up with that? Any details well, on was, it? Uh, I was just kind of reading through the little blog they have on here, and basically it sounds like he's just ready to kind of step down and go back to just enjoying being a woodworker and kind of – it sounds like almost – I don't want to say a retirement, maybe a semi-retirement, but he's going to stay with you know the magazine until they can find somebody to step forward and kind of take his place and everything. So he said he's still planning on being at the Woodworking in America conference coming up this year. Um, and uh, th- his big thing is apparently he set up a uh, rather large shop with his son you know, a few years ago. In fact, it's funny because as I was reading this, he had an article talking about the June 2005 issue. They visited his 400 square foot basement shop in his house. And what they're showing as a picture, I do believe of his new shop versus the old one. Holy cats, big, <laughs> gigantic difference. Nice. Uh, in fact, the, he goes from 400 square foot basement shop to a 2000 square foot shop in an old building uh, near downtown Cincinnati is what they're saying. Phew. He has. But I think the other great picture, though, is not so much the shop, but at the top of the article, you see Steve now. You go down, you see <laughs> yeah. Steve 1997. I love it. It looks, Look he looks good. I wonder if it was actually they did that without him knowing. <laughs> he's got his F&W mug and everything. That's great. Yep. So do you I, think I like. I um, feeling he's probably going to be a lot more like we're going to, he's going to write articles. Yeah. So you're going to see his. I don't uh, think he's going anywhere. He's just. Yeah. So do you think you don't think uh, Schwarz is in line for this position or would even want it, you know, because it seems like whatever that that position takes you a little bit out of the content uh, production area, which I don't think they want at this point. Didn't they say they're actually going to be like searching for someone? So they're okay. Yeah. 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 I think that was part of it in there. He's going to be helping with the search for the next person. So, wow. yeah, this is going to be kind of interesting because hopefully my big thing is regardless of who they bring in, don't mess with what's working. You know, I, I think the the way it is now just compared to even, you know, when I back in 2005, even mm-hmm. I think there's a huge difference between, you know, the, the magazine then and now. So Complete, hopefully. Yeah. I oh, mean, yeah. the whole taking on woodworking magazine, you know, and, and making that as a separate entity and then bringing them together. Um, mm-hmm. And it's actually an interesting point. We've talked about this when they first brought out the merged magazine and we were discussing whether or not they uh, met their promise of how they were going to merge and, and what elements of each they were going to maintain. And I would say, you know, in the beginning, I don't know that we were very, uh, I don't want to say not supportive, but we, we weren't really thinking that they 100% hit the mark necessarily. Yeah. But I got to say that the last set of issues, when you really put it into perspective, old popular woodworking and let's for you know for a while let's forget about woodworking magazine simply because that was almost like a pipe dream that really couldn't last it wasn't feasible to last for a long time look, i always saw it as a supplemental issue yeah kind of right and and i mean look at popular woodworking now and then compare it to the old popular woodworking the influence of woodworking magazine now is is so much more plainly evident in there and and really makes it you know the best in my opinion the best magazine out there right now Right. I, I'm with I agree. You. Yeah. I mean, I really Absolutely. enjoy every issue. So anyway, then I could change my mind next month. So, you know what? No, I'm going to be the descending voice. I happen to like um, a knitting magazine more than popular woodworking. Matt likes to get his knit on. That's right. Learn something about a pro one <laughs> knit too. Yeah, something like that. All right. Well, I think what I'll do is put together a resume for my dog and submit him for the publisher because he won't mess with anything. Well, he'll sit there. He'll sit still for Pretty hours. Much. He's at so, least going to be dependable and predictable. I think I'll actually put that in the resume. 
You know, he's, he's working very... now, so you don't want somebody to interfere. Just give him a bed in the corner. You just need like the the figurehead sort of position. Yeah, you know? that's all you need. Uh, yeah. That's great. Anyway, all right, Terrific. we're gonna move on to the common task quiz. We only got three things in here, and it's just as well because we need to uh, to make tracks. Um, all right, here we go. Very quickly, I only put three in there, so don't be disappointed. Squaring the front apron of a workbench, and this goes into a uh, email that we had, and I figured it would be better here because we could say it very quickly. So you got a, your apron on the front of your workbench, Shannon, uh, it's not square. Uh, what are you going to do about it? If anything. <laughs> good, good point. Um, I would, I would fix it with a joiner plane with a hand plane, but does it really need to be all that square? And I should add though, I it's about, it it's about like five inches, let's say. So you can't necessarily just lop it off with a circular saw in one, one pass that won't work. Right. Yeah. I'd end up having to, you know, take a hand plane, take down the high side and then work on moving that facet across the face. So you've got one solid facet, but okay. does it need to be 90 degrees dead on? Nah. Okay. Nah. Matt, what'd you say? I'm probably not going to do anything to it short of it being really, really hideous or way, way out of control. I might hit it with a, uh, again, like, like uh, Shannon said, uh, like a, a jointer plane or something. But chances are I'm going to just probably live with it. I think Matt's just going to be thankful that he has a proper workbench. That's probably actually. <laughs> 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 All right. If it were me, and this is what I told the emailer, that uh, I would probably take the circular saw and run it across just to kind of get as much as I could cleaned up and also to establish an initial flat zone to work from and then jump to a hand plane and use that flat area as reference. Uh, and that hopefully would save some time, but you know, along and again, it doesn't need to be perfect, but that should get you pretty darn close and save you some work at the same time. Okay. Doke, uh, here, this is interesting. This actually, I didn't expect us to touch on when we first started the, the show early on. But how about transporting and breaking down large sheet goods? Let's just stick with transporting. I think we've talked about breaking stuff down. How do you guys get this stuff to your shop if you need to get four by eight sheets back home or back to the shop? Well, for myself, preferably, um, I don't need the full four, four foot width. So uh, I'll have uh, wherever I'm buying it from break it down for me. But if I do, um, oftentimes I only need like one or two sheets at a time. I borrow the wife's car, and if I put it on a nice diagonal, it fits just nicely in there. Put a little red tag on the on the end, little red flag, so nobody uh, suddenly slams into the back end of it. And I drive very slowly with the blinkers on. And we have like the a, hell out of everybody. You have an SUV or like a minivan? Yeah, yeah, we have like a yeah, it's a, a Pontiac Torrent as uh, the name of it. Yeah, and it's just it's a little SUV, um, nothing special, but it's just wide enough. The back end it's a, has a hatchback. Flips up, and when I put it diagonally, I can get almost uh, about six feet of the, the the plywood completely into the car, and um, I can get it home that way. Nice. But and you just have your son in the back holding on to it. I usually leave I leave him at the home center, and then I come back and pick him up. <laughs> well, I'll be back for you, son. Here's a dollar. Go play some video games, and then he runs off looking for the video games, and it gives me enough time to get going. <laughs> and he realizes that Home Depot doesn't carry video games. Uh, all right, Shannon, how would you, uh, how do you handle it when you need these sheet goods? Well, it's, it's rare that I use full sheets of sheet goods because mm -hmm. I, I don't spend, I don't use that much in the way of like high quality hardwood plywood. If I'm using plywood, it's like for a drawer bottom or something like that. So okay. I'll usually at the home center, grab the, the like pre-cut two by four or four by four panels. But Talk when about I overpaying. It, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but when I do need it, uh, I usually will, uh, 
like figure out when am I going to need plywood and like go and buy a lot of it yeah, yeah. and and rent the truck from Home Depot. Oh, really? Okay. So, yeah. Spend yeah, the 20 bucks for the 70 minutes for the truck. It's well worth it. And then because the truck is like you could put like a 12 foot sheet of plywood in there and I'll usually get a bunch of stuff. Sure. Like, yeah. You know, well, I could see needing some plywood six months from now. So I'll buy like eight sheets of plywood and, oh, yeah, and throw a grill and a lawnmower and, you know, pre-made shower stall. Throw it all in there. Nice. So that's we, a great tip. Yeah. One thing I will say, just just to kind of throw this in there, my main option, like what I'm doing right now is uh, I'm very lucky that the place that I buy my nicer plywood from, they actually deliver. There's a small fee, but just like what you said, Shannon, renting the truck. I'll pay the fee, and now I don't have to worry about it at all. In fact, all I do is I push the button for the garage door and I go right there. Just put it right there. I'm that's not helping awesome. you. That's yeah, awesome. That's, uh, that. I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to say a lot of places do have delivery, and if you're lucky, they don't have a minimum, you know, or it's just a couple of sheets and it costs a couple bucks more. But if you don't have the means to transport it yourself, that's that's really a, a great realistic option. Absolutely. Um, for me, I use the pickup truck, but um, you know, more and more, I'm starting to think it. You know, it's it's worth paying literally a couple dollars. We've got a place around here that I think delivers for like a buck or two, which is nothing. You know, for not having to go out there, I spend that much in gas just getting my truck there. Exactly. Um, so yeah, there you go. Now we also had this. Who added the breaking down solid wood? I did just because I figured we'll put in the, the contrast because so, we were talking about breaking down large sheets of plywood. Sure, sure, sure. So now if you are transporting l large solid lumber, do you have a means? Because obviously we're talking about smaller things now. You can kind of, in some cars, you might be able to, to put it out the passenger window a little bit right. and run it into the back. <laughs> so right. do, do either of you, here's a question. I mean, do either of you bring a saw with you to yes. break this stuff down a little bit? Yes. yes yep. Do. Okay. I don't, but okay. Yeah, I have a lumber I have a lumber yard saw that stays I, in the car, right? Pretty much, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, don't you have a block plane or a saw in your car? Come on. I actually I do have a rusty one. old uh hand saw that I have there for emergencies in case I've just got something that absolutely needs to be broken down. Sure. Uh, I haven't had to use it yet, but it's great, you know, for uh, road rage. If anyone gets out of control, I'll just whip out my old saw. Damn, and, and this there's... is only a 14 point. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the lumber yards will do a, a cut or two for you too. That's not an issue. That's um, true. Yeah. And just stick it in the trunk or through that little hatch from the trunk into the back seat of the car onto the leather interior. Yeah, yeah it's really good. True that. Yeah. That's right. it. My mine wood has gone all the way to the dashboard sometimes. So <laughs> Yeah, me too. Right. I have the scratch marks on the dashboard I, to prove I, it. I got in trouble with that. I, I scratched up Nicole's car a number of times by doing that. Okay, uh, I'm going to read a couple of iTunes uh, reviews here. We had a number of five-star reviews since the last time we read them. It's um, getting out of control, and that's how we like it. Yeah. Uh, all right, so let me give you a few of these here. Josh G 79 says, Hey, guys, very impressed with your show. I truly appreciate that you have different perspectives on woodworking and are able to agree and disagree. If I could give the show more than five stars, I would. It's just that good. That's awesome. What a great review, right? You hear that iTunes? We need a sixth star just for us. <laughs> Let's write a letter. Um, Filippo Nena says, uh, it seems we are living in what will be a classic period of woodworking history. Not only are <laughs> good. Yeah, that's not funny, man. This is serious stuff. <laughs> not only are good as opposed to merely adequate or substandard tools becoming more free uh, freely available, but podcasts like this show that the craft is fresh. Oh, podcasts like this show that the craft is fresh and fun. These guys are entertaining and don't pad out the show with any fluff. 
I thought the whole thing was fluff, but that's just. <laughs> Dude, I am one. That's why I was <laughs> laughing. It's like golden age of woodworking, and this show do not go in the same oh, sentence. Time will tell. Time will tell. All right, woodworking should be a visual and hands-on experience, but this show is so well done that it lets me soak information uh, when I'm on the bus or at work. Nice. Thank you, Filippo. 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 Uh, let's see. We got another one from Child of Rawls. He says, as a second-generation woodworker with vastly less skill, time, tools, and funds than my dad, all of the talking tips helps me get an edge on the old man. <laughs> it's nice to be able to answer his woodworking questions for once. Dad, what you need is a bevel-up block plane. Sometimes I feel like a Luddite with all the names of woodworking masters tossed around, and Shannon's insane, oh, I carved a ball-and-claw foot story, uh, makes me feel ashamed to use my Craig Pocket jig. But it's all excellent information and opened up a world of online woodworking that I didn't know existed and neither did my dad. Keep up the good work. Hey, I have a pocket hole jig. <laughs> so do I. And, Wood and, Talk and, Online, creating riffs and generations for years. <laughs> and I believe Shannon let us know uh, exactly what happens to his pocket hole jig as it collects uh, uh, mold on the wall. <laughs> it's molded to the wall. <laughs> all right, Chris Atkins, uh, this will be the last one we do. He says, guys, love the show. I know everyone is busy, and I appreciate you taking the time to record when you can. Shannon was a great addition to the show. To add another perspective, always look forward to hearing more, Chris Atkins. So thank you, everybody, for those five-star reviews. And if you want to leave us one, uh, we'll definitely read it on the show. And, you know, if it's less than five stars, we won't. It's just the way it works. Go to uh, iTunes, look up Wood Talk Online, and you'll find the uh, area where you could leave a little review and a five-star rating at the bottom. And uh, kind of just kidding. You know, rate it truthfully. But really the only truth we accept is five stars that's so. right nothing less <laughs> nothing less all right let's let's really quickly as fast as we can really put on your uh, put on your fast hat shannon and uh read this email here from ty allen okay ty allen writes not fast mm -hmm. enough <laughs> i am a new word worker and i'm branching out in hand tools i currently have no hand saws and i'm looking to buy some leave alley has nice sets in my price range but i need some help because they all look the same to me first Dovetail saw set. The Veritas dovetail and crosscut saws look great, but do I need all three? The second option would be the carcass saw set. The Veritas carcass saws. Do carcass saws for your lumber. <laughs> do saw. I need these cutting tenons and such? What about tenon saws? All right, let's. So, I mean, if you're reading it that way, it sounds very confusing. Let's just lay yes. it out. Beginner needs a couple saws. He's looking at dovetails. He's looking at tenon saws. What's the difference and what should he get? Yeah, and we're just going to talk joinery in this instance because all he's talking about is back saws. We're not going to talk about hand saws, panel saws, any of that stuff. We're talking about cutting tenons, dovetails. What about um, Japanese saws? What's that? No, what about he, Japanese saws? Well, that could be part of the answer. <laughs> it certainly could be part of the answer. Um, I'm not the person to ask on that because I have one and I don't use it very much. Um, you know, it, that's really it. It's dovetails and mortise and tenons. Well, you're not sawing mortises, but... Um, so dovetails, the dovetail saw is a rip cut saw. Um, you know, it's got a finer pitch to it, so it's going to track to your line a little bit more. You're going to feel like you have more control. It's going to be a heck of a lot easier to start. Um, it is going to have a very shallow depth of cut. Um, I think the Veritas dovetail saw has about a two-inch depth of cut. Mm -hmm. I don't know off the top of my head. That sounds about right, though. Or it's one and three quarter inches or something like that. That's your total depth of cut before the you bottom out on the back of the blade. So with that in mind, you think about how long do you often cut your tenons? Um, it's rare that you cut them much longer than that. So you really could use a dovetail saw to cut your tenons. Uh, I'm just thinking in terms of a minimalist tool setup. 
Will it take longer? Absolutely, it will take longer. Will it be more accurate? It just might be because that dovetail saw is going to cut more accurately to your line because of the fine pitch, the fine set, or no set at all. Well, let me ask um, you this. Do you find, especially as a beginner, they might run into a situation where they started off in the right direction, and because there's no set, they can't really adjust on the fly. That's a good point. So do you find good that? Good point, Mark. Thank you, thank you. I, I, um, uh, I work here. Um, do you, I mean, for me, I, uh, sometimes when I'm, I know when I was learning to cut, and I'm still to this day trying to get the, the knack of all of this stuff, um, I find that it's actually, you know, a pain in the butt sometimes because I started off on the wrong course and now I've got this razor line that can't be adjusted. And at least if I had some set on the teeth, I can kind of correct and adjust on the fly. And on a 10 and it's not that big of a deal, right? You can cut a little oversized and trim it later. Right. Uh, so you might want to make an adjustment. So that's, that's the only thing I know as a dovetail saw, as your only saw can quickly become a real pain in the butt if you're cutting more than dovetails. Yeah. The other thing I'll say, though, is these carcass saws, I don't think the set is all that much different. I mean, I, I'm sure there's more set, but I doubt it's that much more set. Um, you know, in fact, reading the descriptions, now that you mention that, I think it was 0.03 or something like that. Uh, but yeah, they are all pretty much the same. So a lot of that, what it comes down to is is starting the cut, proper starting the cut. When you're talking about a tenon, um, it's... <clears throat> <laughs> I'm trying to say this without basically throwing you under the bus, Mark. Basically, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I I go with the expectation that I'm going to do something wrong and I need to find right. a way out. <laughs> that's um, that's I mean, the, the way I live. Thing, it, if, if, if you're worried about that with the tenon, start a little bit wider line and use that plane to take it down to it. But, you know, if you, if you establish your kerf down the edge and then across the end grain and then start laying into the cut, your saw will follow the path of least resistance and you end up getting a straight cut. Um, and the set I've never found, I know what you're talking about though. If you go, I find that happens with, um, dovetails, cutting the tails and you think you're online. Um, it's anytime you tilt your saw off of plum, you, it's really hard to feel what angle you're, you're at. Yes. Sorry absolutely. for that dangling preposition, but, um, you, I'll end up cutting and I end up changing the angle and not realizing now when I'm cutting the tails first, who the heck cares? Yeah, it doesn't matter. I transfer it over. But I, I, I've been in that situation and you really can't correct it because there is no curve whatsoever. But you're also talking about a very narrow, a very short line, you know, for dovetails, you know, you're cutting maybe seven eighths of an inch. That's about it. Mm -hmm. You know, usually much less than that for drawers, tenons, it's going to be a little longer than that. So that will transfer over. But, um, you know, if the way that, that Ty laid this out, he was wondering, do I need all three of these saws? Well, carcass saws, specifically crosscut saws, um, I, I use my carcass saw all the time, you know, for crosscutting boards right at the bench, um, and then I'll shoot them with a hand plane to get them to that final dimension. I, I do find it's a very, very good saw. A crosscut saw will rip very well. Um, a rip saw will not crosscut as well. Um, just because of the way the teeth are filed. So mm -hmm. the ultimate kind of jack plane of hand saws would be the carcass saw because it rips and cross cuts quite well and quite cleanly. Um, it's going to have uh, a lower pitch to it. It's going to have slightly more set to it. Um, so it may not be as highly accurate as a dovetail saw, but at the same time, it'll, it'll, it'll do the job for you without a problem. Right. So do you need a tenon saw? As a new word worker, I would say don't worry about it right now. Um, you know, let, get yourself into it, 
get yourself to drink the Kool-Aid and fall down the slippery Neanderthal slope before you buy a tenon saw. <laughs> It'll happen. Yeah. It will happen because saws are cool. But, you know, I, I think it's interesting. I mean, well, let me throw all of that out the window and say the cost for these Veritas saws is, like, ridiculously cheap. So, you know, you're spending the, – the deal when they first came out was, like, $99 for both of those carcass saws. Yeah, I remember that. So there is a point where, geez, I might as well just go ahead and get both of them. So, sure. you know, forget well, everything I just said in that instance. But there's always something to be said for experiencing what a saw does. You can tell a new woodworker that there is a difference between these two, but until yes. they actually start cutting and realize the limitations of that particular saw, do they finally understand why they need the other one and if it's important enough, if the need is great enough to justify buying it. So. You know, so maybe that maybe your initial advice to just kind of buy the one that's going to be the best jack of all trades and then see where your limitations are. Once you find that you can't cut clean this way, there's a saw out there that will answer that problem, you know, and maybe yeah. that's the next one you need. Absolutely. All right. Cool yeah. beans. Uh, great Sweet. answer. Hey, I just wanted to point out we actually covered this very topic last week by the same person. What? <laughs> we've been talking about it in the uh the chat room Didn't i just want to really? make sure yeah and, you but you know what you guys covered the information beautifully <laughs> i didn't want to disrupt it just in case we want to like pull it in put it out uh, now here, now here's Janet, the real it was almost word for word of what you said oh, last dude. week at least so, we're consistent was my answer the same because that would have been really i gotta go back and listen to that holy <laughs> moly i thought we didn't get to it no, wow. we did get to it. We shoehorned it in like right at the very end there. And I, and I, I was like, anybody else know? Remember this? Yeah, <laughs> and I kept it. I kept it in there because I thought, you know, we were looking at it, and everybody's like, okay, that that was from last last week, but we didn't get to it. You know what it okay, is? Okay, okay, that's the Wood Talk Online April Fool's joke. Uh, <laughs> yeah, jokes on us. I mean, both Shannon and I are just like moving, especially when we're pressed for time. Ugh, anyway. <laughs> Well, there you go, Ty. Great. Let's move on. Twice, twice your uh, double your fun there. Um, Sorry about that. Okay. So the funny thing is, I think last time I was playing, I was playing the role of Mark. So this week, Mark's playing the role of Matt. That's what it is. (laughs) All right, Matt. Why don't you go to uh, Stephen's tips, which I know we did not get to last week. That's right. Okay. Uh, Stephen Kaiser writes in uh, with some tips he learned after diving into the world of hand tools. One. And this sounds familiar from earlier in the episode. Always apply some wax to the bottom of the plane. So much better. And if you have that plane heated up to the way that Shannon does, it just melts <laughs> It'll in melt all the right place. On. <laughs> uh, position the wood closer to the edge of the table. This will make it easy, much easier to follow through on the stroke. After the weight distribution during the stroke so that it starts in the toe and ends in the heel. Oh, alter the weight distribution. I'm like, what? After the... Let me do that one again. <laughs> Alter the weight distribution during the stroke so that it starts in the toe and ends in the heel. So a little bit of a dance there. Uh, make the cuts more consistent when pushing the plane. I noticed that it is easy to move off the standard patch. A wider mouth will give you a thicker cut, which may not be what you want. Uh, if you dial down the iron too much, you basically just made a chisel out of your plane. And last but not least, it is much harder than it looks, but it is not that tough, which is a, what a lot of people say about me, too. I, I don't think I would say that, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, a lot of people say it, so it must be true. Oh, okay. Uh, you know what? The last thing that we had in here was uh, this email, which I will make sure that I clearly mark for next week because it's a quite a big topic. This is about, um, oh, I mentioned it at the beginning, the future of woodworking and whether there's sort of a... a appreciation for craft items and a revival of that sort of appreciation. So that's a big enough topic. We'll push that off to next week. Um, The only other thing is let's, 
Oh boy, this we have a voicemail too, and this is going to take a. a let's let's do this. Both of you have talked about this on your shows, correct? The restoration of hand planes. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to yes. play this voicemail, and then just let us know where they can find that information, so we don't regurgitate it all here. Just uh, I'll play the voicemail real quick. Hey there, Matt, Mark, and Shannon. I was just catching up on my old Wood Talk Online podcast uh, while I was on a road trip. And um, in one of the earlier episodes, I heard Shannon mention uh, he restored a old Stanley number three and that he actually used it um, in his hand tool school. And I've got uh, in my possession a great old Stanley number 5C. And um, it's in really decent condition with uh, some, some surface rust. But for the most part, everything's in pretty good working order. Um, but I would like to restore it. And so I wondered if, uh, if you guys could talk a little bit about how to go about restoring old planes. Um, I know when you're looking at the Japaning and whatnot on there, you want to be careful um, with especially chemical rust removers. But um, I guess I'd like a little more information about how to restore uh, old planes. Thanks for your, uh, for your advice, and I really appreciate what you guys do. Keep up the great work. Thanks. Okay, good question, guy with no name. Um, so can you guys just give me the links to any post videos or articles you've written about that topic? And then we'll put that in the show notes for people and they can check it out. Cause I think it's probably been covered pretty thoroughly in the past. How to, how to restore a plane. Absolutely. Yeah. We can get some together. Sure. I know I've got some back in 2007 and even in 2008. Okay. Plus we had a really great email that came in, uh, in our early wood talk online with a uh, recipe for re-Japanning the uh, hand plane, uh, using your wife's oven. So that was very chauvinistic, by the way. Yeah, well, that's true because, yeah. I'll have you know, I know how to use our oven, sir. I I make pot pies in there all the time. (laughs) Pot pies and pizza. All right, Matt, let's uh, take us out here and uh, give them the contact info. Okay, of course, you could always email us if there's something you heard today or something you want to hear in an upcoming episode, or if Ty Allen would like to resubmit his question one more time. <laughs> Third time's the charm. That's right. So you can uh, get Don't us a hold of us at... <laughs> <laughs> you can hold of us at woodtalkonline at gmail.com, or you can leave us a voicemail at our number, which is 623-242-5180. If you happen to be on Skype, or this is a great reason to get on Skype, get a hold of us over at Wood Talk Online, where, of course, you can leave a voicemail over there. You can find all three of us on Twitter as Shannon is Renaissance WW, Mark is at Wood Whisperer, and I, Matt, am at MBW Podcast. Find us on Facebook, and most certainly head over to woodtalkonline.com if you haven't done so already. Make a profile totally free and get some awesome questions answered because more than likely if it's about hand planes, Bob Rosieski will step in like the madman that he is. He'll go, whoopah, and it'll wow. be down. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks, everybody. Thanks, chat room, for hanging out with us. And Matt and Shannon, I appreciate you guys hanging out with me for another wonderful evening of woodworking, chatting, and all that crap that comes out of our mouths. And uh, I guess we'll see everyone in a couple of weeks. Sounds good. See you, everybody. Toodaloo. See you, guys. Adios. Adios. All right. Nicely done. Only an hour and a half. What What happened in the last um, the last <laughs> few shows that we go consistently now well over an hour? Um, 